Good morning. You ever made one of those decisions that at the time you thought, this, this is the greatest plan I've ever come up with? Only at some point later in the day to go, this was the worst plan I could have come up with. I had one of those experiences last Sunday at the Citizens Bank Arena. Um, had nothing to do with the service. The service was amazing. The singing, the fellowship, the preaching, uh, the Lord's Supper. I mean, it was just awesome. But, you know, we got there a little over an hour early, hour and a half early, so the parking lot was pretty empty. You know, so at that moment, you, you've got choices of where to park. And so at first I, I drove over close, and then I thought, well, that's not smart, because then it's going to take forever to get out. So what I'm going to do, I am going to park all the way, as far away from the arena as you can get, and I'm going to be in that spot that's facing the exit. So that way, at the end of service, when the cars are all lined up, I'm just going to go straight out, and it's going to be great. And I had visions of my wife and my son going, Dad, what a great plan. I mean, that is such a great way of thinking, you know, and service is done and I'm fired up. And then you get out there and the lobby was like really packed. I'm like, why is it so packed? And I hear somebody go, oh, it's raining outside. And you're like, so? And then you look outside and you're like, Okay, well, I'll run to the car. And so, you know, I'm running to the car. And I think I, you know, picked the heaviest part of the downpour. And as soon as I started running, you know what the first thought was? Where did I park? <laughs> and as, I, as I'm running in this downpour, all I could think of, what a stupid place to park. Why did I park all the way across the lot? Who cares if I get out quicker? I mean, if you, you could have just poured buckets of water on me and I could not have been wetter than I got to the car. You know, and I'm sitting there going, this was a dumb idea. <laughs> you know, we had a great family vacation. Michael's on spring break, so he was with us. And so, uh, you know, we spent a few days down in Escondido. And, uh, you know, I had another one of those decisions in the middle of the week because Michael's uh, classmate from UCSB lives in Escondido. And so he went over and hung out with them and discovered a world-famous donut shop called Peterson's Donut Corner. Any of you have ever been in Escondido? This is a famous place. So <laughs> Michael's like, Dad, I will bring you back some donuts. So Michael and Mom went and picked up donuts. And they came back and he goes, Dad, Here's the one I picked out for you. Now, you know this place is good because the name of the donut he gave me was called the Butter Log. <laughs> and, you know, they hand you the box of donuts and it weighs like 25 pounds. So you're thinking, how did they fit 10 dozen in this one box? And there was only like six donuts in there. So I ate the Butter Log and it was amazing. But about an hour later... I was just like, oh, man, I feel like I just ate a brick. Why, why did I do that? 
You know, life, life is kind of that way. We, every day, we have multiple opportunities to make decisions. Then in one moment, we think this will be the absolute greatest thing ever. And sometimes it doesn't even take an hour. Sometimes it's like a minute later. Sometimes it's one second later. And you're going, what, what have I done? That was one of the most foolish things I've ever done. You know, today's April Fool's Day. You know, um, I hope nothing bad happens to you and you have to call me because I won't believe that anything bad really happened. Um, please preface all tragedy with, no, this really is not an April Fool's joke. Something happened if, if you have to call me for that. Um, but the thing about the word fool is if you ever do a word study of that in the Bible, almost every case is where you've done something stupid or it's just the absolute wrong way of thinking. But making a mistake is one thing. Being foolish is completely different than making a mistake. Because being foolish is when you knew better. You knew you shouldn't have done what you did. You knew you shouldn't have said what you did. You knew when that decision was approaching, I should be nowhere near that. And you did it anyway. That's foolish. Foolishness are the decisions that you have made and that I have made. And we look back and go, I knew better. What in the world was I doing in my life? You know, each and every day, we face decisions. Are we going to be wise or are we going to be foolish? Turn to the book of Ezekiel. Yeah, sometimes we think that anything spiritually minded must be good. You know, if the Bible is referenced, if God is mentioned, then it's got to be good. It's wise advice. I want to read a section here out of Ezekiel 13, kind of right in the middle of your Old Testament. And, and I want you to listen to what's being said. Verse 1 to 12. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are now prophesying. Say to those who prophesy out of their own imagination, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets, O Israel, are like jackals among ruins. You've not gone up to the breaks in the wall to repair it. For the house of Israel, so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. Their visions are false, and their divinations a lie. They say the Lord declares, when the Lord has not sent them, yet they expect their words to be fulfilled. Have you not seen false visions and uttered lying divinations when you say the Lord declares, though I have not spoken? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, because of your false words and lying visions, I'm against you, declares the Sovereign Lord. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will not belong to the council of my people, nor be listed in the records of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Sovereign Lord, because they lead my people astray, saying, Peace, when there is no peace. And because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Therefore, tell those who cover it with whitewash, it is going to fall. 
Rain will come in torrents, and I will send hailstones hurtling down, and violent winds will burst forth. When the wall collapses, will people not ask you, where is the whitewash you covered it with? Now, this is a hardline passage. God is upset because there's men that are supposed to be proclaiming his truth. The Bible says they're prophesying out of their own imaginations. It's their own opinions. Oh, they couple it with the Lord declares. It sounds really good. And they believe it so strongly they expect it to come through. But God says, no, you're saying peace when there is no peace. You're just putting whitewash on a broken down wall, on a broken down life. You're not fixing anyone or anything. You're just telling them everything's going to be okay, but it's not. And when the collapse happens, they're going to look at you and go, hey, where's the whitewash? You know, one of the saddest things would be to make a foolish decision about your spiritual life. To know better. But follow something that's not true because it sounds easier, sounds more comfortable. You know what? Jesus is the best resource we have of what wisdom looks like. And I really want to challenge each one of us this morning and say, where are you taking your input? Where are you getting your ideas from? Is it the Lord? Is it really the Lord? Or is it something that sounds good, but is just somebody's imagination and opinion? Go over to Luke chapter 12. Point number one is it is wise to live for God. Verse 13, down to verse 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. You know, Jesus tells a story because a man in the audience has the opportunity to ask the King of Kings and Lord of Lords any question he wants. And what he chooses is to deal with inheritance issues. 
And Jesus says, you know what? I got a story to tell you. And he says, you need to watch out. Because it is so easy to live life for yourself. It is so easy to stop storing up for God and His kingdom and become self-centered in living. Jesus says, it's foolish to live that way. He says, because you're going to die and you don't know when. And you can't take it with you anyway. You know what? You will never see people in a retirement home regretting not earning enough money. When we get to the end of our life, whenever that is, our regrets will never be about money or possessions. It will be about people and souls and our eternal destiny. But why does Jesus tell this man, watch out? See, because it's so easy to go down the wrong path. It's so easy to think, I've got it figured out. I mean, think about this mentality. Doesn't this fit with where we live? Okay, work hard and work bigger and work better. And then once I get there, then I can relax. You know what? When you live for God, you can be enjoying every moment of every day and fulfilled every moment of every day. Life shouldn't be a daily grind. If it is, that's an indication you're not living for God. See, when it becomes a grind, our hope and fulfillment is in what lies ahead instead of what we're enjoying right now. Say, what gets our best attention, our best energy? What do we daydream about? What do we ponder? What do we live for? Is it God? Is it treasures that death cannot take away? You know, the bigger, better, more, relax, lifestyle never stops. Because there's always something better. There's always an upgrade. Always. If you, I mean, I want you to think about your life. And if you've ever gone into that trap, did you ever arrive if you thought, no, I need a nicer whatever, car, suit, wardrobe, job, this, that. As soon as you got there, then you started looking at one notch above. It never ends. Jesus says it is foolish to live life that way. But see, this way of thinking isn't about the here and now. The foolish life is thinking about, hey, years from now, so what's the danger? Well, I don't need to worry about my spiritual life right now because I'll deal with it later. I'm going to do this right now. And then I'll get my priorities straight later. You know, and Jesus is going to go on and, and, and talk about that in a little bit. Would God 
sit down with you right now and say that, that he is top priority in your life. If not, we're living a foolish life. I don't even know what your job is. But I can tell you, if God is not number one, it's a foolish life. How do I know that? Because Jesus said so. And he knows. So it is wise to live for God. You will never regret any spiritual investment you make. It was so awesome last night. Our house was, was filled with all kinds of college students because they were counting the cost with Trisha. And you know what? Every uh, sister, they were just fired up because Trish is going to get baptized. You never look at somebody who gets baptized and go, man, I shouldn't have spent all those hours. I mean, yeah, they're safe forever, but, man, that took a lot of hours. It, sh- it shouldn't have taken that long. That was lame. No, when, when you're in the waters of baptism with one of your friends, you know what you think? Oh, it was worth every second. I would have spent double the amount of time. You know what? Life, when God is not at the forefront, how many things do you do that you go, that wasn't worth it? I shouldn't have spent that much time or effort on it. See, spiritual investment is always worth it. Jesus is saying, make a wise choice. Don't be the fool. And if you get Jesus eye to eye, don't ask him an inheritance question. Or he may tell you a story. And you end up in the Bible. It's wise. To live for God. You go, well, you know, deep down, I know I haven't been doing it. I haven't been seeking first the kingdom. Then make a decision. You know, there is no easy way to revamp your priorities. You're not going to just wake up tomorrow and God's going to be number one. You're either going to make him number one or he won't be there. You know, there can only be one top priority in your life. You have to change your schedule. You'll change how, how you spend your time. You have to change what you think about, what you invest in. But make a wise decision. Second point, it is wise to be faithful. Let's continue on in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, so right after... He tells the story of this guy. Hey, watch out. Greed and materialism can capture your heart. Make sure God stays number one. Right after that, he tells his disciples. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or your body, what you'll wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you not even Solomon 
in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow's thrown to the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all these things, and your father knows you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near it and no moth destroys. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God tells his disciples, be faithful. You know, he tells them this right on the heels of the parable about the guy that's trying to build the bigger barns to store all his stuff so he can be secure forever. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't worry. He says, worry's foolish. He said, God loves you more than he loves the birds, and he takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. They don't build barns. And he goes in there clothed really nice. And what, what do we worry about? Anybody buy a lottery ticket this week? Come on, you can be honest. I did. And this time I got two numbers. Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't win anything. But... You know, I've shared about this before, but, you know, you buy a lottery ticket. And I was talking to a fellowship, I won't tell you who, and, and they said, oh, yeah, started thinking about what I'd do if I won the lottery. Well, let me just read some numbers for you. You have a one in a million chance of getting struck by lightning. One in a million. You have a one in five million chance, actually all of us do, of the earth being destroyed by a large asteroid. One in five million. You have a one in 13 million chance of having identical quadruplets. If you're a woman. But I throw chances are really low if you're a guy. You have a one in thirty million chance of dying from just flying in an airplane. Now, you ever worried about any of those things? The lottery you had a one in a hundred and seventy six million chance. Of picking the correct combination. There you go. You know, it's kind of funny what, what you worry about. You know what else was interesting just with the lottery? Is uh, lottery officials estimated that ninety five percent of all the combinations possible were sold for that um, drawing on Friday night. They sold one and a half billion dollars of lottery tickets 
for Friday night's drawing. One and a half billion. That means if the people take the cash payout of 450 million, just from the tickets they sold for the three days previous, they made 1.1 billion dollars. The lottery is just legalized gambling is all it is. They just call it the lottery, but there you go. It's money-making, big time. But you think about all those different things. You know, I really didn't worry a whole lot that I won the lottery, but I did buy a ticket just in case God wanted me to have it. (laughs) He did not, once again. did you wake up this morning worried about your kids? Like, Ron, they're teenagers. (laughs) I know. Do you realize that God loves our kids even more than we love our kids? You know, sometimes we feel like we have to care just in case God doesn't. You ever prayed like that? Now, God, i got to let you know about this situation because here's what's going on. God's like, yes, quite aware of that and a few other things that you don't even know right now. (laughs) But don't worry, about 20 years from now when the family is together, they'll tell you. When they're relatively sure they're old enough, you won't do anything about it. Then they'll spill the beans. I know how it works. Worries are faithless, foolish things that we think about. You go, yeah, but this is a really important issue. The importance of the issue is not what makes it foolish. Not depending on God is what makes it foolish. Faithless thinking is what's foolish. Say, yeah, but if it doesn't turn out right, then it could go bad. No, see, that's where faithfulness comes in. God loves you. He's aware of you. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. And I love this in verse 26. Well, we'll start in verse 25. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? None. In fact, psychologists tell us the exact opposite occurs. By worrying, you subtract hours from your life. But he's, at, you know, he's asking this question. All you're worrying, what does it get you? Can you add an hour to your life? And I lo- listen to this, what Jesus says. Since you cannot do this very little thing. He's saying, how hard is it to add an hour to our life? I can't do it. Say it's crazy impossible thing. But Jesus says it's very little thing. He does not say, Who of you by worrying can accomplish this massive task? He says, Very little thing. 
Now, put your worries on a scale. You know, we had some statistics there for the lottery. You know, where would you put adding time to your life with what you're worried about right now? I mean, if that's very little, how does God feel about the things that we're worried about? How many varies are in front of it? Very, 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 very little. You know, I think Jesus would sit down with with most of us and just say, Ron, y'all bent out of shape over this. Like, will you just have faith? I love you. I'll take care of you. I'm looking out for you. Yes, I'm aware of everything going on in your life right now. Well, what do you want me to do then? You just seek me. You do that. That's what I want you to do. You seek first the kingdom. You just focus on that. You just give yourself 100% to making sure I'm in the number one slot. And I'll take care of the rest. It says fear is foolish. Worry is foolish. Let's be wise and be men and women of faith. Is there any decision in your life right now that fear or worry is holding you back? Sometimes it's fear of being vulnerable. If I get really honest about my life, then people are going to know. And they may not be my friend anymore. They may not want to hang out. If I tell the people studying the Bible with me the sins I've done, they are probably going to run the other way because they've never heard anyone do the things that I've done. You know what? We're never going to invent a new sin. We can relate. So maybe, maybe you're waiting to get baptized. But you're afraid you're not going to be perfect. You know, let me just take the pressure off. You have a 100% chance of not being perfect. There. Okay. Now you don't need to be afraid. Because it will happen. You will be imperfect. We're not saved by our perfection. We're saved by the blood of Jesus as a Christian. We wouldn't need it if we could be perfect. We strive for perfection. We say, that that's not a good reason. That's a Satan reason. Yeah, you're not going to be perfect, so don't get saved. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's why I went to the cross. Because you're not perfect. See how Satan twists it all? Be full of faith. Make that commitment. Make that decision. Finally, point number three. Vigilance is wise. Starting in verse 35. Remember, this is all connected even though there's little subtitles in there. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. 
I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and we'll come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. We're just going to stop there. You know, Jesus is talking about foolish living, and he said, you've got to be wise, you've got to live for God. He needs to be number one. Quit worrying, quit being afraid, and be full of faith. And he says the, fi- the final part of this story, be ready, be vigilant, be alert. Be aware. You know, when they're talking about being watchful and alert, this is like battle ready. And the only thing I can come up with is like paintball war because I've never been in a real military battle. But I'll tell you what, if you've ever played paintball, it's real enough that that you're always alert. Because at any moment, if you just let down your guard, you get shot. You know, how much more would it be when the bullets are real? You know, Jesus is saying, hey, you need to be dressed, ready for service. He says, you've got to keep the lamps burning. What's, what's that a, a reference to? That, that's what's going on on the inside. The oil lamp is your own personal relationship with God. It's your spirit. It's your connection to God. It says, is it burning bright? Always. Keep it burning. So what's your daily relationship with God look like? Is the lamp burning? Is it ready? You know, because sometimes what we think is, I'll take a day off. I'll be fine. But I'll light it back up tomorrow. And I'll be ready to go. You know what Jesus says? You have no idea. You have no idea when the battle is coming. People that need to hear this the most, high school students, College students, singles, people young, 44 and under. You know why? Because we think we've got more time. In fact, too often we live confidently that we have more time. And so we think, I'll do it later. I'll do it next year. I'll do it after I graduate. I'll do it after I get married. I'll do it after I have kids. I'll do it when when I've arrived here. Then I'll focus on getting that lamp burning bright. Satan knows whether the lamp's burning or not. And when do you think he's going to come and pay you a visit? It won't be when the lamp is a burning bonfire. I promise you that. He's going to wait for the day that you go, ah, I don't need to walk with God today. I'll be fine. Tomorrow, 
I'll make it happen. You know, one of our brothers, Tim Baker, he's a firefighter down in Northridge. Now, can you imagine the fire department saying, okay, guys, now, just, you know, once a month, let's make sure that the hoses are ready and, you know, that we have gas in the, in the fire engines. You know, so like on the 7th of every month, that's the day that we'll make sure all the equipment's ready. Like, what if that was your fire department? You go, man, I hope I have a fire on the 8th. No, they're constantly ready. Why? Because the alarm can sound at any time. Your spiritual life is exactly the same way. And Jesus says, you know what? If the thief would have announced that I was coming, the owner wouldn't have got stolen from, but it doesn't work that way. We don't get notice. Vigilance. How alert are you? How aware are you? How engaged are you with God? Remember the title of the sermon, Don't Be a Fool. A fool walks away from a lesson like this and says, I don't need to worry about it. I'll be okay. You're kind of overstating it. I don't really need to be that committed. You know, I may come back next Sunday for Easter, but I'll be fine between now and then. No, that's the foolish response. Foolishness is to know better and still make a bad decision. You know, I really pray that every single one of us is going to be a man or woman of wisdom that we're going to live for God. We're going to put and keep Him in the top spot. And we're going to be faithful. And when the worries come, we're going to say, no way. I'm not going to give in to foolish thinking. And that's what it is. You give into it. It is a choice we make. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to trust God and let Him run the show. And finally, we're going to be vigilant. We're going to be aware. We're going to be connected. If we're not where we need to be, we're going to get there right away. You don't need a month to get connected to God. Let's keep the lamps burning bright. It says they're watching. They're dressed. They're ready to serve. You know what, Trisha? She's getting ready to serve. Because she's going to clothe herself with Christ. And she's going to go make an impact. And Jesus says, hey, the time's unknown. We don't know, so we need to live each day as if it was our last. Don't be a fool. Jesus is the best resource we have of wisdom and how to live our life. And I pray that as we depart, the decisions we're making right now will be wise ones. You will never regret a spiritual investment. But worldly endeavors, many times we look back with regrets. Let's be wise as we depart and go and live for God. Amen. Let's stand.